Hello, everyone. Thanks for coming outside me today. Today, we're headed to the great state of Indiana. We're going to talk with Aaron Wheeler out there in the western part of Indiana, to be more specific. And we're going to be talking a whole bunch of different things today when it comes with coming with a bow setup. Uh, Aaron has uh, recently picked back up bow hunting, which is something that we're seeing more and more on the podcast in general, which is just awesome to see. Talking about transitioning from going from running, you know, more stationary ladder stands to ground hunting to now even going into a saddle. Uh, and also, of course, it wouldn't be an archery podcast in 2020 without talking about heavy arrows. So, Aaron, I want to thank you so much for joining the podcast. How are you doing tonight, bud? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Dude, it is my pleasure. Thank you for being part of the Average Jack Archie podcast. It's always fantastic to talk to other people just like myself, bow hunters from around the country who just enjoy getting outside and enjoying the sport of archery. And uh, we'll start off here with the very first thing. Uh, you know, you can introduce yourself a little bit, but also uh, tell us your bow setup uh, for your hunting that you're doing right now. You know, what brand of bow you're shooting, the poundage, the draw length, your arrow, and we'll dive into the heavy arrows uh, a little bit after that. All right. Yeah. Um, my name is Aaron Wheeler. Um, I am currently shooting just a cheap, uh, diamond ready to hunt package that you get for about 300 bucks. You know, um, I got it cheap because I was just getting back into archery and I didn't want to spend a bunch of money at the time. So, uh, bought one of those, but I'll tell you what, I've loved it so far. It's been great for me. Um, and, uh, I'm shooting 55 pounds right now, which, uh, I had a shoulder injury years ago. So, you know, shooting a lighter weight kind of helps out with that. And I feel like I can hold a long time with it and I'm just comfortable with it. So. I think it's great that you bring that up, that you were getting back into archery, but you, you, you purchased more budget set up. You're shooting a little bit lower poundage, you know, maybe it was a shoulder injury or for those people that are just getting into archery or getting back into archery and they just don't have the muscle strength yet. But you're finding that you're incredibly accurate with that more budget minded setup and you're very lethal with the type of arrow that you're that you're building and particularly for this year. Right. So, you know, you're not you'll feel like you're losing out on anything by not owning a flagship bow, for example. Nope, I, I sure don't. Um, I. Um... I, I never had, you know, even when I was younger, when I was bow hunting, uh, we never spent a ton of money on our bows. Um, I was shooting like a PSE Nova, you know, in the early 2000s. Oh, sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, shot those bows and um, we, you know, and it was always, I always liked it. Um, but yeah, the, the cheap, you know, ready to hunt deal, you know, came with, you know, sights and a, a whisker biscuit, you know. Um, so it was you know, it was just cheap and easy and I was just getting back into it. And I didn't want to spend, you know, $1,500 on a, you know, on a Hoyt or something. You know what I mean? Right. If you, I mean, if you don't have to, it, it's not, it's not necessary, particularly with today's equipment, you know, budget bows and setups are infinitely better than they ever were. And you mentioned the Nova PSE has made the Nova for, I want to say almost 20, 25 years. It was a bow in their lineup. They just kept, you know, doing little tweaks here and there. Uh, but shooting that diamond, my wife shot a diamond. Uh, I even shot it as my backup bow, even though it was in a pretty pink camo. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a real good setup and, and slung arrows just fine. And, and speaking of the arrows, dive into the the brand of arrows that you're shooting and, and what you're doing this year uh, with your arrow build compared to what you've done in the past in terms of the weight and, and the broadhead that you're shooting. Okay, well, I'll, what I'll do is I'll start where I started a couple of years ago when I first got back into it. Sounds good. Um, I, you know, obviously like most people I'm watching, you know, Midwest whitetail and, 
a lot of, you know, some of the TV shows and YouTube shows and everybody's shooting, uh, you know, range broadheads or some sort of expandable broadhead. Um, and everybody was shooting, you know, Easton FMJs. Um, so, you know, I went with, I went with the FMJ and I had a rage broad, you know, two blade rage broadhead, which, um, the first year I killed a doe, um, and, and she was, she had come in and she was like, uh, she was, uh, maybe, maybe seven yards. I mean, she was close. She was right there. She was in tight. And yeah, she was in tight. And I got about eight inches of penetration, which it just went. And I actually, I hit her a little, for, a little forward, um, got her right in the shoulder meat, you know, didn't hit any bone or anything, but just right in the shoulder meat. And just that was enough to slow it down. And, it just did get far enough that it cut the, you know, right the front of the lungs off, right where the windpipe comes in. And so she was dead in 30 yards. I mean, she was down in seconds. You know, I watched her, to, you know, I watched her fall over. Um, and there, of course there's blood everywhere, but it wasn't a pass through. And it, you know, <laughs> there was not a lot of penetration. Like it was, it was to the point that I was like, man, that seems like it should have been a lot more than that, you know, cause I didn't know anybody. I didn't, I'd never heard of, you know, guys shooting super heavy arrows at the time, and I'd never heard of FOC, and I'd never heard, you know, I didn't know any of that stuff. I'd never heard of Ed Ashby, you know, that stuff. I just had no idea. I just, you know, it's just what I watched on TV. So um, I shot her, and then um, that year I didn't really, I didn't have a lot of encounters that year, which which I think most of that was uh, just the prop we had. We had corn in, and a lot of time this deer hanging in that corn and it's hard to get a lot until that corn comes down. Once that, once the corn gets cut, then it's the hunting gets a lot better. But, uh, uh, but normally by the time it's cut, it's almost gun season. So, you know, I'm using a uh, rifle and, uh, doing that, but we, uh, so I killed her that first year, that was two years ago. And then last year, um, I actually had my oldest son with me. And we had a, a button buck come up, which generally I wouldn't have shot, but he's like, dad, dad, shoot it. And it was like his first time with me. So, you know, I'm like, man, he, I can remember being his age and sitting with my dad and watching my dad shoot deer and like, yeah, I'd kick my dad's butt if he didn't shoot that thing. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So we shoot this, we shoot this button buck. He, he was about 20 yards and I shot him and, but similar results, you know, not a lot of penetration. Uh, it was enough to get him, you know, uh, he went down and it was kind of a long track job. Um, I hit him one lung good and it just got into the other lung. Um, nothing, but he went further than what I thought he was going to go. Cause it was a pretty good shot. Um, and, but we found him, you know, no big deal. And so I was like, man, that just, it didn't sit right with me, you know, but I thought, well, you know, maybe I'm just too tight to the shoulder or maybe I'm, you know, maybe it's just because I'm shooting 55 pounds and I'm just not shooting enough weight. And I actually had some people, you know, guys that had worked on bows and stuff. And I'd ask them, oh, yeah, it's probably just your weight. You're not shooting enough weight, you know. And I was like, okay, I guess I can live with that. It's my shoulder. It is what it is, you know. Um, I'm not I'm not going to be shooting 90 pounds, you know. Right, <laughs> these, right. Some of these, man, I, I can't do that. So I don't know why. I can't imagine shooting that much weight. But <laughs> I, when I was a kid, I used to shoot 70, but. That was, that was as much as I ever shot, but we, uh, so anyway, back to our story. I, uh, um, uh, we went, 
into you know of course i didn't uh, i actually shot at a couple deer i had had a real nice encounter with a 10 point buck and um i was hunting off the ground and he came in and i he was actually he came in two ten yards from me which is on the ground that's close i mean yeah. that's just it's that's close, real tight man. it's real close i was sitting in some uh we had some real small um uh, sassafras trees some saplings and so i was kind of sitting in them and because that woods that i hunt's got a lot of sassafras in it um and so i was sitting in these uh, down in those and i couldn't shoot when he got to 10 yards i couldn't shoot him there um uh, just because of the, what there's too much stuff in the way but he came down and around and he gave me a 15 yard shot just perfect wide open broadside and i shoot and sure as crap there's this little bitty piece of briar and I hit that briar. I couldn't see it through my peep. You know, I'm looking at my sights, but your arrow's, you know, four inches below that or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So I hit the, of course, I hit the briar, you know, then it, my arrow hits the dirt and he takes off looking around like, what the crap was that? And I'm like, come on, you know. <laughs> it's hard to get a buck that close uh, on the ground. But, but you know, it is what it is. And um, so anyway, that was kind of my story for the year last year. I had another buck that came in. Uh, later on uh similar kind of similar he didn't get as close though he just never did come into range um but i watched him he actually it was funny he came in and, uh i was hunting about 30 yards off the field edge inside the woods and he came in and bedded down at about uh about 40 yards from me so you know he's he's 70 80 yards inside the woods and he just bedded down the way until it got dark before he's gonna go out in that field <laughs> So he just bedded down. He's bedded at forty yards. And I, where he was at, I wasn't shooting that far. So I was like, "Well, crap." But anyway, that was my my 2019 bow season. Um, and so then over the winter, and I I've watched a lot of YouTube, watched a lot of stuff. I, I like the hunting public guys, so I was watching them, and they're just you know I was just watching shows. Um, and during the whole COVID thing, everything shut down, you know, so I'm sitting at home, not doing anything. And all of a sudden they're talking to this guy and he's yelling about flappers and Twizzlers. And I'm like, what is this guy talking about? You know? And then I start listening and what he's saying is making a lot of sense. I'm like, well, yeah, that sounds like what I've been experiencing. So then I went on a whole deep dive of about three days of binge watching uh Troy Flat Fowler's uh YouTube and uh, yeah the range fairy bug bit me and uh watched all that and I, I from what I can tell on social media I'm far from the only person that <laughs> that went down that rabbit hole. Um and so I've gotten into a much heavier setup this year. Um I ended up ordering the uh that ethics uh ranch fairy test pack um got some uh, arrows from Sirius Archery, um, went with their Apollos, um, and ended up uh, just shooting some, and it seemed like from my, with my bow, for whatever reason, I started out just shooting at my block, you know, I wasn't, wasn't paper tuning or anything at first, I just wanted to see how it shot with the weight, and it seemed like the more weight I put on the front of it, the harder that dude hit, and the straighter it flew, and it just, I was like, wow, okay. So I was expecting, you know, well, you know, maybe we'll bump up to, you know, 550 grains or something somewhere. And that's kind of where I thought I was going to end up. Well, by the end of it, I'm throwing 300 grain field points on the end of my arrows and they're the best ones I had. I'm like, what? No, there's no way. 
I was like, this is crazy, you know, and I had the 100 grain ethics insert in there. Um, so I had a lot of weight on the front of that arrow, but it flew so good. So I'm like, all right, well, let's try it and see what we end up with. And, and funny enough, I thought with that much weight, just by listening to other people talk about it, I thought I'd definitely, you know, I thought I'd be a 250 uh, spine arrow. I thought with that much weight, that's where I'm going to be. But for whatever reason, my bow shot the 300 spine way better than it did the 250 spine. And I, I assume it has something to do with the weight. Um, I'm a 30 inch draw. So, you know, I'm not sure why, you know, I, I really thought I'd be at 250. I thought I'd be at 250 spine, but for, some, for whatever reason, it was shooting bullet holes with, uh, with the 300 spine and all that weight on the front. And, uh, I ended up, I think with, uh, fletched, you know, by the time it's fletched and, with you know um with light lighted knocks i i'm right just right around the 750 grain mark um and i i used the gold tip tip calculator and i think i was somewhere like 23 percent foc or something right in that general vicinity so a lot of weight which i know is way overkill for whitetails but you know i've never heard anybody overkilling the deer so, I mean, I guess if it's dead, it's dead, right? <laughs> yeah. So are you going to, are you, uh, are you going to run then the serious Apollos then as the main shaft? Like you, did you purchase more in addition I, I to the test kit? I, I haven't purchased them yet, but I'm getting ready to, I just haven't ordered them yet. They were, they actually were on back order for a long time, for a long time. So I was kind of waiting. I think, I think Troy uh, sold him a bunch of arrows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He might, he might've sold a pack or two in his time. Yeah. And, you know, I'll go back to your, to your, um, to your original setup here, you know, for those folks that don't know a full metal jacket, you know, it's a carbon arrow covered with an aluminum sleeve and they're not light. Um, I was, I don't know if you know the spine that you were shooting off the top of your head, 400, 340, 300. It was, I think it was 340. Yeah. So a 340, uh fmj i actually uh pulled it up here because that's the kind of weird person that i am uh 340 is 11.3 yes, right exactly. grains right it's heavy and you know if you did 11.3 uh out of a 30 inch arrow and then you threw on a 100 grain point and a 10 grain knock and 18 grains for blazers and then maybe like you know i'm just doing math here in my internet browser like a 15 grain hit insert you're still talking like 482 grains at right. least Right. Right. So it's not right. like what you were shooting was was light. You know, a right. lot of people yeah. that yeah. are shooting. Yeah. Right. Comparatively, you know, you and I and I've, I've said this a lot over the years, you know, you guys like you and me with a 30, I have a 31 inch draw like we can cheat, mm -hmm. you know, shooting a 300, 340 in particular, something like an FMJ or the old school aluminums. We get a right. lot of weight in an arrow. The FOC suffers, but that's OK, because, you know, we have a pretty good amount of, of, of weight flying down range. But what you were shooting again to reiterate it was not light um and it doesn't surprise me either that your um that your current setup even with you know you have what 400 you set up front uh yeah it'd be right up yeah I, well uh, actually with the broadheads i went with which i guess i didn't get to that i ended up doing the tough heads um i got the 315 okay. grain screw in tough heads so i'm actually at 415 up front okay well you know at either at either way for for the folks at home, you know, it would also kind of sound like 30 inch draw. 55 pounds isn't like a light poundage. Um, but, you know, uh, shooting a, a, a 300 spine arrow at 55 pounds, you know, that diamond bow and a lot of bows, 
um, that are more of these budget-friendly options, which I think is really good that they're made this way. They're they're slower in their IBO speed. They're not as aggressive. The kinetic energy that they're producing into the arrow right there um, and the radicalness of it, it's not going to hurt you downrange, but it, it offers a smoother draw cycle and it offers less force on the arrow. So you'll often find with these uh, more budget-friendly options that you don't need to go to 250 to 200 spine, even if you're a guy like me or Aaron with a long draw length. You can still get away with a 300 spine, even with, you know, three to 400 grains up front, which is clearly what you're experiencing. Right. Um, and, you know, that's that's always a positive because it's kind of a bugger to buy 200 spine arrows. Trust me. I know uh, <laughs> they're not they're not easy to find and, and they're definitely not cheap and not all manufacturers make them. Um, and so 300 spine in particular. Uh, every manufacturer makes a 300 spine arrow from gold tip to victory to Sirius and and East and everything else in between. Uh, so that's really cool. And then, of course, that tough heads, uh, that's a single bevel. Uh, right. And that sucker's, I mean, that's that's a big stinking broadhead. That is a grown-up broadhead there. Yeah, uh, I, I, I got them in the mail, and I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Yeah, the, pack, <laughs> the package weighs, you know, pretty, like one broadhead weighs as much as like a, a cheaper broadhead whole entire package. Like it's right. it's, a pretty, yeah. it's a pretty impressive thing. Um, yeah. So I'll say this. So you've been be able to practice with these test errors from this test kit and everything. Yeah. And at, you know, your typical bow hunting distances, you know, the farthest I've ever shot at a deer is, and, and harvested a deer is 35 yards. And, you know, from us talking prior to uh, recording the podcast and as, as we've gone through here, it sounds like you're basically sticking to about 30 yards and under. Um, yeah. And with that distance set in mind, even for me as, as a longtime veteran of archery hunting, that 35 yards was, was a perfect 35 yard scenario. It was wet. It was windy. The woods were loud. Uh, the deer had no idea it was there. There were a lot of things that went into that 35 yard shot because a lot of things can happen. And so my, I guess my question to you is when it comes to shooting those longer distances, are you worried about shooting that 25 to 30 yard shot? Because now you've almost doubled your arrow weight, right? You know, you're right. shooting like an arrow and a half. Yeah, <laughs> down now just, right. You're shooting a piece of rebar with a broadhead <laughs> on the front. So are you concerned at all about that 25 to 30? Or is it just something just like prior with your earlier setup that no, it's just you still have to wait for the right moment? Honestly, yeah, honestly, I'm not I'm not worried about it. For for one, I generally don't have many shots that far anyway. Most of the setups I've had so far, especially when I was hunting off the ground, um, in that woods is that I hunt, it gets pretty thick. Um, so generally my shots are, even when I'm gun hunting, my shots are 20 yards, you know what I mean? I, I just don't have a lot of long shots unless I'm sitting on the edge of the field, you know, just planning on shooting way out in the field if I want, which I can. But, you know, bow hunting, you know, I'm in the woods and I'm, I'm trying to get close. I've generally, I've got a trail that, you know, I know they've been using a lot and they use it pretty heavy. Cause they got a lot of trails over there that they use real heavy. So, um, I get in between bedding areas and stuff, especially during the rut. And, uh, I generally catch deer moving between the bedding areas and, uh, it, they, you know, I, I set up 15, 20 yards off one of those and that's about where my shot's going to be, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, I think that's good that a you already have that mindset. I think it's very important for anybody at home who is getting into the sport of bow hunting, or you know, even if you're already in it, you're just a few years in it. You have to remember that this 
scenario that we're putting ourselves in is not sitting with a gun on the edge of a field where that bullet almost gets there the moment you touch the trigger. Uh, right. This arrow, whether it's 350 grains or it's 750 grains, it's going to take some time to get to the animal and you can't beat the speed of sound. And so yep. I think it's it's really important. I'm, and I'm glad that you're already recognizing there and that that distance that you need, you need to keep short. And also it makes it way more fun uh, oh, yeah. to have that animal in that close. Uh, it's just a real uh, intimate moment there uh, in the woods, which is really cool. And, and speaking of getting animals in close, I want to transition to the the idea of, of uh, you know, becoming more mobile. We talked before the podcast about how this works. And, and uh, we also talked about Indiana uh, private land versus public land. I'll let you explain that for your county here in a little bit, because I'm used to public land all traveling uh, into the woods, uh, you know, half mile, mile, mile and a half, even more in certain cases, particularly in like turkey season where we have all this this, you know, million, million and a half acres of public land. Indiana, that's not the case, but you have a, a little bit different in your particular county. But you, over the past few years, uh, you've now acquired this access to, to a piece of land I'll let you elaborate on in a moment. But you've also started to, even though you're hunting private land, where you can have set stands and you don't have all the restrictions of how long those tree stands can set, set out. And we can't cut shooting lanes on public land in PA. And I don't know if you can in Indiana, but you can cut shooting lanes and you can move brush piles around to funnel deer move and all that sort of stuff. Yet you want to become more mobile. So, which I think is really cool because I'm hearing that more and more from people, even though they hunt private land and they might be the only ones on it or it's thousands of acres that they share with just a few people. They still want to become more and more mobile because they're tired of looking at the same stand and they think the deer are patterning them more than they're patterning the deer. So I want you to unpack your, your particular region, Indiana first, um, and that little parcel, well, I shouldn't say little 500 acre parcel that you have access to there in Indiana, but also the public access that you have as well. Right. Um, well, I'm in West Central Indiana, actually Park County is what we're in. Um, and it's almost, it's, it's not right on the Illinois border, but we're a county over from the Illinois border. Um, we're about 50 miles straight west of Indianapolis. Um, it's, it's a pretty good county. Um, pretty big deer come out of here. Um, and we've got, like you said, Indiana doesn't have a ton of public land, but our county just happens to have some public land in it. There's actually a piece um, of about 1,200 acres in the the northern part of the county. It's about 15 minutes from my house. Um, and then there's also a, uh, a smaller piece that's connected to a, uh, a big state recreation area. Um, and it, it's there, they have like 250 acres ish set off just for hunting. Um, so that, and that's like five minutes from my house. I'm real close to that. So I've got some public land options if I want to. Now, I've, I've never really checked it out during hunting season. Um, of course, everybody says, well, it's public land, so it's, it's getting hunted hard. I don't know that to be a fact. It may be. It may be just covered up. I don't know. I, I haven't been out there. But I've been out there recently just kind of check things out, you know, just out of curiosity. I actually went, uh, when the morels were popping, I went and hit that big 1,200-acre piece up. Just kind of walk it and plus find some morels, and I found some. Um, but I did, I did find some tree stands still in the woods. Um, so, I mean, there's definitely guys in there, you know, uh, I don't know how heavy it gets hit, but I'm sure during a gun season, it gets hit real hard, but I feel, I'm betting during early archery, it's not, you know, it doesn't get hit too hard. Um, but, um, 
yeah. Uh, but then I've got, for me, um, I kind of lucked into a place. I had a, um, a friend of my wife's, which I actually, um, I, I had grown up with her. We went to church together. You know, I've known her since I was like five years old, you know, knew her family. Her and my wife were real good friends. Um, and we, you know, so we were talking to them one night and uh, they didn't have anybody hunting their property. And I was like, and they just didn't normally didn't let people. And I just happened to ask, you know, hey, mind if I go hunting? And for they're like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And so I've got this big piece of land that I can hunt that nobody else is allowed to hunt, which is awesome. But there, you know, there are some downfalls to it because when I say I'm the only one that can hunt it, I mean, I'm the only one that can hunt it. That means I can't bring my brother and I can't bring my dad and I can't bring, you know, friends. It means I can hunt it and that's it. So I'm not going to complain because, you know, yeah. I, mean, I don't think I'm anybody would complain for like 500 prime real estate. Yeah, agents in, yeah, in exactly. And I, and I, yeah. And I don't have to pay for it. It's free. So I'm not complaining at all. Um, it's great hunting. Uh, there's, there's good bucks on it i had some great pictures uh uh this past year i had like four bucks on you know that i would have shot uh, i had that close encounter last year with that 10 pointer it was a really nice deer he was probably um he was probably 130 inch deer um you know which isn't a giant but he would have been my biggest you know he well i mean come deer. to pa and you you see 130 in pa you better shoot that thing right? <laughs> yeah. that sucker's a boon and crockett here in pa yeah right there was a there was an eight point the one I really wanted last year and I never did I never did see him was a, a there's a really nice wide racked eight pointer um, and it was cool because I had pictures of him uh, the year before um, and he didn't have a very big rack at all but the only reason I knew it was the same buck is he had the double white patch on his neck mm. and so uh, this past year I got his picture of this really super wide eight pointer I'm like where did this deer come from and then, like, the next picture, his head was up, and he had that double patch. I'm like, no way. And so then I got to looking, and he, like, he, the characteristics of the rack are actually really close because the end, the tips kind of curl up. Real, and I was like, holy crap, that is that same deer. He just blew up in a year. You know, he went from a, a small two-and-a-half-year-old deer to a giant three-a-year, you know, three-and-a-half-year-old deer. So, and he's 135 inches probably. He's, you know, he's a little bigger than a thin-pointer just because he had so much with and he had a pretty tall rack too he was he was a nice deer i'd love to get a, get a shot of him but i never did see him on the hoof um but yeah uh that piece that i've got the the one big downfall to it is the, a lot of the acreage it's it's about 500 about 500 acres it's not exactly that but there's uh a lot of it's just this big ag field um and so if you picture a big block you know basically it's basically a square you know a rectangular block and you know the road is the you know the road that i would access it from is on the west side of it um and it's you know it's a rectangle the long way would be north and south and then you know it's shorter east to west um but there's this giant egg field on the west side of it and and then there's other people around that own around the edges and so there's no access from, I can't get access from the backside because that guy, you know, he hunts back there and um, there's really no way of accessing it other than through this big ag field, which really sucks when the crops are out. It's great if the corn's up because I can slip through the corn and the deer's not going to see me. But once the corn's out, 
it's, you know, I'm in trouble. <laughs> you know, they can see me coming from a mile away. So uh, it, that gets a little tough. But what I was finding was uh, that you were talking just a little bit ago about deer patterning you. Um, I had put a ladder stand in the first year I hunted. And I killed a, um, about a 125-inch eight-pointer, uh, like my second day hunting. And I had actually seen a buck about the same size the day, you know, the day before. And that was the first year I hunted it. And I only gun hunted. I didn't bow hunt at the time. Um, and that was during the gun season. And he, um, that deer I saw, you know, great. And then they had no idea what was there. You know, I was like, wow, this is going to be great. You know, this place is awesome. I'm seeing bucks every day. And. So then the second year, it was almost as good, not quite as good, but, I, you know, I've still seen a lot of deer. Well, then by the third year, I just was not seeing deer, but I was still hunting that same stand in the same location, you know. And I hadn't put two and two together yet, but I'm like, why am I not seeing deer? You know, I couldn't figure it out. Uh, and then it just continuously got worse. And I and I started hunting there That's been about – this has been about eight years now. Um, this will be about the first probably my eighth season hunting out there. Um, and it was, like I said, just progressively, just I was seeing less and less bucks. I've seen a ton of does. Uh, honestly, I, I can count on my uh, count on one hand the amount of sits that I've had where I didn't at least see probably five does. You know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of does out there, um, a lot of deer. And um, so, I mean, it's either you're always there's always action there's always something going on but the bucks i just wasn't seeing the mature bucks um i'd see a lot smaller bucks but just nothing nice you know nothing i'd want to shoot at and um so finally i, I was just you know doing what i normally do watching youtube videos and stuff and uh i think it was the hunting public guys uh watching some of their videos and they were doing like a public land challenge and they were uh dan infault was on there and he got there i think they did a podcast with him too and they're talking about being mobile and doing this and that and then so then i started watching some more of the hunting beast videos and stuff and i i was like man you know the stuff he's talking about i think he's right i think these deer are they're you know they're on to me you know what i mean i've been sitting in the same stand year after year and they know i'm there you know and it was a nice spot it's like an inside corner where the you know where the uh, field kind of comes in and it's got woods on two sides and it, you know it was kind of a pinch point you know a lot of deer we're using it but you know just as the years went on it was less and less of the bucks were using it i would get uh trail cam pictures of them but it was always at night you know it was always nighttime um just wasn't they just weren't using it during the day and um so i was like man i gotta get more mobile um so last year and I, we talked before the podcast i'm a bigger guy um so for me being mobile is a little more difficult um because you know i'm not I'm not a 200 pound guy that can just throw a stand up in a, you know, throw any stand on and go climb a tree. No big deal. It's, it's got to be big enough to handle me. <laughs> so I'm a, I, I, so I was, you know, my best option was just hunt off the ground. So I did a little bit last year and I had two really good encounters uh, with some, with bucks that I would have shot both of them in the, uh, that one was a, a 10 pointer was like i said he was 125 130 inch 10 pointer nice nice deer um and he uh i i got down and it was funny i was actually only i only moved uh on him where i shot shot at him i missed him um but where i shot at him at i was only uh about 75 yards from my ladder stand 
but I had just moved further down in the woods. Um, and I, what I figured out was, is they were just moving down around where I couldn't see. There's a little, a little creek that runs down through there and there's a little drop off. And there, once I got down in there and looked at it, I'm like, Oh, they're just going around me. You know, I'm right. just not seeing them because they're just sliding right around me. Right. And this, so is, up on, this is a very important, uh, piece that's incredible that people just overlook I, just yeah. yearly, just overlook yearly. And that is, you know, I remember growing up, you know, uh, when I was a kid, I didn't hunt much public land. I hunted with my granddad. Of course, he would take me out to the to the family farm, which we don't have access or own anymore. Uh, I stopped hunting that, gosh, when I was 16. So, you know, we're talking 13 years ago now. Um, and But every every year we would sit in the exact same tree, but for firearm season. And it overlooked a ditch, it overlooked a gully, and above us was a hunting camp, and below us was another kind of farm. And the deer would just get blasted out at one end of and the other, and they would just run this gully. We would see the same deer every single time. They they get blasted out in the south, they come running past us, go up to the north. They get blasted out in the north, and an hour later they come running down, and we'd have a herd of does that started out at ten that would end at four, you know, um, that type of thing. But but that type of scenario was guaranteed every single year because of the topography, because of the pressure that we would see deer there. It never failed, never once. Now, every now and then we'd see a big buck, but most of the time, the big buck that we would end up catching would be we would have another person at one other location that was not that main travel corridor, not that main gully. And it was uh, it was a, a part we called the Oak Flat, which I think everybody has a thing called the Oak Flat. And it actually had a giant boulder on it. And someone would sit on that boulder overlooking this oak flat. And this deer would, like, you could watch them. The does would come down from the north and the buck would split off. And he would come down and sneak along a laurel bed along this oak flat. And that would be, that might be the only deer that you would see all day. But that would be the biggest buck that we would get that day. And the same thing applies more importantly to the archery season. As soon as they figure out what the main travel route is and that you're the one that's constantly disrupting it, they're going to change because they are a prey species. They're not going to keep, that's just stupid of them. If they, their whole point is to stay alive. And if they continue to do the same thing that gets them in trouble every single Saturday morning, they're going to change what they're, what they're doing. And that is something that's very important and a critical thing to pick up in your first five years of bow hunting. Um, I know I really struggled with it because I was, it was gun season and you always see the same thing. And then I go sit there in archery season and never see a darn thing. Well, it's because just because you saw them there doesn't mean they're going to go there when they're not pressured and they have all the cards. So that's a very important piece to bring up. And it's cool that you're bringing in the mobile part and all you have to do is, People think that mobility is is a mile deep, half mile deep. You got to take a kayak. You got to have an e-bike. You move 75 yards, right? And that 75 yards made a world of difference. And in particular, in your situation where you are in so much ag, which is true of Iowa and Illinois and Kansas in certain spots, you know, you don't have a whole lot of woodlot to, you know, have good bedding. If, if the corn's up, obviously they're going to bed in the corn or if the beans are tall enough. But here in PA, we, we just have woods everywhere. And it seems like, oh, I got to get in deep. Well, for you, getting in deep might mean just moving 50, 50 yards to the west to change a little thermal or 75 to the north to do this, that, and the other thing. And that's really important to, to know it doesn't have to be four miles in. It could be just right. a simple change. 
Yeah, and, and like for me, my thing was, you know, looking back now, I feel like an idiot. You know, I've got, you know, I, like we talked about before the podcast, that you know, the property I hunt, you know, most of it's that big ad, ag field. But, I mean, there's still, you know, there's at least 150 acres of wooded that I can hunt. But I was hunting the same stand every year. Now, it was because I was seeing deer every time I sat in it. But at the same time, you know, there's all, and it, you know, there's stuff that there's stuff I still haven't really hunted yet. And I'm going to try to hunt a lot more of it this year, which, you know, I've got another tool in my arsenal that we talked about a little bit before the podcast and I'm working on getting to be able to use that. Um, and that's the, the tree saddle. Um, and like I said, I'm a big guy. And um, so I kind of made a goal for myself. I'm going to lose a bunch of weight so I can get up and use this tree saddle because hunting on Hunting on the ground in archery is a bear. I mean, it's just tough. Uh, you know, getting deer close on the ground. I mean, it's doable. I did it. I, you know, I, I had that. I had that deer. He came into ten yards. I couldn't shoot him at ten yards, but he was. He came to ten yards. Um, but you know, sitting on the ground and what happened? Well, I missed him because I hit a piece of brush. You know, so that you know, that's part of sitting on the ground. So getting in a tree was important for me. And I just, you know, I was watching guys starting to use these saddles and I thought, you know, that's something I want to do. But obviously at my weight, um, you know, I was 375-ish. That's, you know, that's going to be hard for a guy my size. Um, so uh, I went ahead and said, you know what, I'm going to do it and I'm going to lose some weight. And so in the past about month or so, I've lost 25 pounds um, getting after it, trying to, you know, actively trying to lose some weight, um, which I needed to do anyway, what, you know, whether it was hunting related or not. I mean, I needed to lose weight. Any excuse um, to, to do more hunting because you lost weight is just, right? that's, just a, that's a winner, yeah, winner, exactly. chicken dinner in my book. You know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, this year I'm hoping to be a lot more mobile. Um, I, my plan is this year to never sit in the ladder stand once. Um, I want to take the, I want to take the saddle with me every sit, sit in a different tree every time I go. And, you know, even if that tree's 20 yards from the tree that I sat in last night, you know, so what, it's still different, you know, right. uh, I, you know, because that may be all you need, you know, when you're 20 yards, when you're bow hunting, that that's maybe the difference between killing a deer and not being able to get a shot off, you know? Right. So, and, and can make, and, and not getting a shot off and, you know, for something like, you know, for someone like me where I shot that I alluded to earlier, you know, I, I took a shot at a deer at 35 yards, but taking 20 yards off of that, I would have just felt so much better. You know, I was right. able to make a clean shot, you know, not all, all the situations don't have to be perfect, right? All the conditions don't have to be perfect because the further that that shot has to happen or the less optimal the setup has to be the more things have to go right for that shot to occur. And in particularly, you know, for, for guys like you and me, you know, we might think we might have a difficult time hiding ourselves um, mm -hmm. in, a, in a tree situation. And, and I talked earlier uh, before we went on air here that, you know, I only get about 15 feet off the ground to my actual right. feet in a saddle. And this is something that's very important. Everybody talks about how high do you get a tree stand? How high do you get a tree stand? I like 20, 25 feet. I like 12. 12 is a real good number. For me. I'm not, I'm not afraid of heights uh, at all. And I feel very safe in a saddle, but 12 to 15 foot for my predator platform, my tethered predator platform 
because people forget that when you're in a saddle and you're standing, you're adding three, four, in my case, almost five feet from where my actual bow arm is to where my feet are. So I'm adding that extra 19 or I'm, I'm up to 19 feet. If I'm at a 15 foot platform or almost 20. So, you know, now I'm up at this higher angle and the further that deer gets away. And if you're shooting a heavier arrow out of a slower bow, like, like you and I are, uh, you know, we have a lot more lob to our arrow. That means there's more arc as it's going 30 to 40 yards. Lots of things have to be way, uh, the ducks have to be in so many more rows uh, at that further distance. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned the, the ladder stand and you move 20 yards away from it. Uh, it reminds me, uh, many years ago, uh, I, was, uh, I used to work as a maintenance uh, crew worker out of a local Christian camp here in, in central PA. And it's, it, was, it was quite expansive. Uh, they had a lot of like these rope courses and, you know, all these things around the camp in the woods. And uh, one of them had a, a ladder stand right next to one of these rope courses. And it was a traditional doe hunting spot. And uh, one time I was out there uh, after camp was over, it was the early fall. And we done some fishing in the morning and I needed to shoot a doe. And so I went up to that spot there and I had an old steel climber tree stand. And I got there and I was like, the trail for this, there was an obvious faint trail about 20 yards away from that ladder stand. And then about 20 to 30 yards down the hill was a much more pronounced trail. And I don't know. And so I, I ended up setting up within 15 yards of that more pronounced trail, had a doe come in and I ended up shooting her. And I never saw anything on that less pronounced trail that was close to that ladder stand. Now, could that have been just because that's the trail she picked? Do they actually use that less pronounced trail closer to the ladder stand? Or was that less pronounced trail like that because they had patterned that ladder stand? I'll never know, but it's something I always think about in the back of my mind that, you know, I have lots of spots where I continuously kill deer every year. I don't know how long that's going to last. I'll bet you that I probably have one, I have one spot where I shot my buck opening day last year that we got on camera, I'll guarantee you probably this year is the last year for that spot before I have to let it go cold for quite some time. Uh, because right. it's, that's probably three, it'll be three, three consecutive years of shooting bucks out of that stand. It's like the first week. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's... eventually they'll learn. Right. Uh, Cause PAD are not stupid. <laughs> um, so anyhow, yeah, that's just, that's cool. I, 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 I love hearing people, coming to the realization that being mobile and it's just so much more fun. It yeah. really is. You know, it's not like, yeah. Oh, here I go plodding to my stand. It's there's so much more, um, uh, gamemanship and, and, the, right. and the pursuit and the planning and the prep, it's all so much more climactic than when it actually is, is successful. Well, and I like just, just the thought of being able to go, let's say I go in in the morning, maybe I don't have the exact tree picked out before I go. But I know where, kind of where I want to be. So I go in there, slide in in the morning, get up in the tree. I get down, we'll, you know, say an hour rolls around. We get, you know, half hour past daylight, you know, shooting light, you know, plenty of shooting light. And I'm seeing deer at 60 yards. And they keep moving on that trail. And I've had this happen. I, it happens all, I've had that happen several times in my ladder stand. You know, I'd see deer at 60 yards, you know. And it's like, okay, wish I was closer to that. Well, now with the, with the saddle, you know, if they're, I don't see anything around, I might just slide down the tree and move, you know. Right. You know, uh, you know, I may move a little tighter in there or, you know, and, and I just like having that option. I like, you know, not feeling like I'm tied to a spot. And really, you know, a lot of it was just laziness, you know. I, 
I threw the ladder stand up. It was there. It was easy. Yeah, we'll hunt here. You know, it's easy. You know, why, why do anything different? Why move it? You know, those things are bare to move around. Which and, I, and I've actually got two of them out there, but the one I hunted a lot out of just because I, I always see deer. I, I don't know that I've ever sat in that particular stand and didn't see deer. Right. I mean, you always see something. Um, but it, like I said, just I wasn't seeing the mature bucks. And, and normally, I, for a long time, that, that didn't bother me because I just, I like putting, I just like shooting deer, putting meat in the freezer. You know, I'm not, you know, I didn't kill an antlered buck last year and that didn't bother me in the least. You know what I mean? Uh, that was just how my season went, you know, and I could have hunted a lot more than I did, but I hunted a lot during both seasons. I really wanted to get one, get a buck during both season. And I came close a couple of times, but you know, I was just, I was excited that even though I missed that buck, you know, because I hit that brush, I was excited be, that it worked. And, you know, at first I was so frustrated. I was like, are you kidding me? I did all this. I came that close and I didn't get him. Like, really? But then, like, the more I thought about it, I was like, well, really, though, it worked. The plan worked. It did. It went exactly. Like, it couldn't have went any better, you know. I had a, you know, a very nice 10-pointer at 10 yards, me sitting on the ground. I mean, he was right there. You know, everything worked out exactly how I wanted it to. It just, I, you know. You just messed the shot up. That's going to happen, you know. So I just had to look at it as a positive, you know, and think, okay, this works. Now I know it works. Now let's do it. Now let's do it more. But, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm excited about this season. This season is going to be so fun because I got so much new stuff going. And anytime you got new stuff going, that you're always excited to try your new stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. Toys. Try, the, try the new toys. And when the new toys make life so much more fun, it just, right. It just, in your brain, you're like, oh, yeah, that was so worth spending that money to make oh, that yeah. new. It just works. And that, <laughs> and I'll go back to it. It it, it really is 99% of the fun for me because, yeah, I shot my buck opening day and I probably had another, you know, we have antler restrictions in Pennsylvania. So I have to, in order to shoot a deer, it has to have three points on one side of its head uh, in my part of the state. And so I don't really count the bucks that I see that are, that aren't legal. But even after, I shot my buck opening day and I only had a doe tag left. Um, the, the number of times where I got set up in scenarios and I saw legal bucks, it just, it just gets me all fired up knowing that like, all right, I put myself in this spot. I didn't, I wasn't successful, but I saw a buck or I saw a doe, uh, you know, maybe it was a, a young doe, a, a fawn that I didn't want to shoot, but I put myself in this situation. It wasn't by random. I deliberately looked at the map online you know, for me, it's on X or maybe I went and scouted this area, boots on the ground. And I picked this tree and I thought, you know, in middle of November, this is where the deer are going to be. And then I sat in this tree and gosh, darn it, they showed up. Right. And it's like this, it's this sense of accomplishment that you weren't like, oh yeah, I went out to old faithful and well, it's called old faithful for a reason. Cause there's always yeah. deer there. And uh, I hate it. I hate the phrase, but I love it. Um, for turkey season, uh, my buddy and I always say, never leave turkeys to find turkeys. And it's really hard with deer. Never leave deer to find deer. I mean, if you could, a doe tastes the same as a buck. Venison is venison. And it's really hard to leave that comfort zone knowing that potentially you could fail. But just like you said, you went out and you failed. You didn't get the shot, the, you know, the, the shot. Uh, to hit, you know, the buck, but you got the shot off at 10 yards. What a, what a success, you know? 
and the actual harvest is just the icing on the cake. And, and so I think that's a very important thing for everybody that's starting out in the bow hunting. And then, of course, you know, launching into the, the mobile hunting as well that everybody's starting to do, you know, gets you active. In your case, you know, you're, you're, you're losing weight, which is fantastic. You're enjoying the sport more than you ever thought you would. You're really exploring. Yep. Uh, you know, like you said, you've barely scratched the surface in some of the spots, even though it's only 150 acres. Um, right. And that's just really cool uh, to hear that from you because that I think that transfers to every bow hunter across this country. Right. Yeah, it's 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 exciting. I'm I'm super stoked for this season. I'm just it, it, it's fun. Just the whole process I went through. You know, I've never done this before. Normally, my when I just a couple years ago when I first started bow hunting again, it was I went to the store, I bought a box of FMJs, I threw you know. I got a hundred grain field points and some hundred grain ranges, you know, I shot, shot my field points, seen, you know, got, you know, I was shooting decent groups, you know, everything looked okay. No big deal. Do the, you know, through the broadheads on. I, I shot one of my broadheads a couple times just to make sure it was, you know, make sure I didn't have to mess with anything. Everything was fine. Cool. And I went, you know, that was it. Well, this year, you know, I've gone through, you know, bear shaft tuning, which, I didn't even know that was a thing until this year. I never heard of it. Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> you know, I'm like, when I see the first time I seen somebody bear shaft, I'm like, why would you shoot with no fletchings? Like, what are you doing? You know, I'm thinking this thing's going to just tumble end over end, mm-hmm. you know, down. <laughs> so to be honest, the first time I shot one bear shaft, I was like, this is sketchy. I don't know. About right. This. But it, you know, it, it's fine, you know, and it was, it was fun. It was fun going through the process, you know, knock tuning. And, uh, it was, and I'm sure like the more you do it, it, it probably gets to where you're like, Oh, I got to knock tune, you know, but for it me does. this year, as it, someone it, who's it, been it, doing it for the better part of a decade, yeah, it's a royal pain in the butt. I, I could see it being that way. But for me, cause it was the first time I was like, Oh, this is awesome. You know, this is fun, you know, but it, it was, yeah, it was, I mean, it was a blast. And just seeing the paper tears, like, I'll tell you what, <laughs> it was, I, those two, it was funny because like I said, I thought 250 spine was where I'd want to be. And when I was paying, so I started paper to shoot through paper and I just, I just bricked up a crude deal outside of my house here. You know, I had a little, made me a little a frame type thing, hung some paper, you know, and was just shooting my target through that, you know? And, uh, I, I'll tell you what, some of the two, the 250 spines I shot, I think I could have had better holes throwing a tomahawk through the paper. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was some bad tears, man. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> that's not right. But those, the first time I shot, I was like, well, I'm going to try the 350 spine, see what happens. And I shot that 350 spine, and it was like, that was almost perfect bullet hole the first time I shot. I was like, oh, that looks way better, you know? And so I, I ended up moving my, I ended up moving my rest just a hair. And that was, that's all I had to do. And it was money. And then I backed up, you know, I'm shooting, I'm back down all the way to 10 yards, shooting through paper. And it was money. I mean, just beautiful. I was like, well, that was way easier than I thought it was going to be. But hey, you know, I'll take it. I ain't going to complain. Um, because I was, you know, I was, of course, I was reading guys' stuff online and they're talking about trying to bear shaft two through paper and they're just, you know, they'd get it right close, but then they'd back up and it'd be like, you know, tumbling through there. Like, oh, man, this is going to be, this might be tough. I don't know. And I was actually worried whether I'd be able to do it myself because I, I've never done any of this type of right. stuff before. 
you know, it was just, this was all a new experience for me. Then I wasn't sure if I'd be able to figure it out. You know, if I was having issues, you know, if I'm shooting knock low, you know, what's my, why would it be doing that? What would, you know, and so I'm watching videos and a lot of your videos, your videos were very helpful, you know, and I, just stumbled, I, I stumbled onto your videos just like, it was like, I was watching a bunch of toys videos and then, you know, there's always suggestions and yours came up and I was like, Oh, cool. Another guy shooting bear shaft too. Let's check this out. And that's how I stumbled onto your channel. And, uh, you know, yours were yours. I like, let's see, let me put it this way. Troy's a lot of his videos were, especially the earlier ones were very good to get me started, but then like he wouldn't go into too much detail. Yours he paints very with a very much, broad brush and he'll tell right, you right yeah yeah yours were yours were very more deep they were a lot more detailed and i'm like okay now I, it makes sense you know it was kind of like you know watching both of them it, his kind of eased me into it and you kind of just nailed it down to a fine point i'm like ah now i got it you know yeah it, troy it troy sense. is troy and i are fantastic friends uh he, yeah he, you know we we talk all the time the guy it's not an act what he does oh he's he, awesome that is who he is <laughs> And, uh, but yeah, it's, it, you know, we're approaching the same, we're approaching the same problem. Uh, and he paints mm-hmm. with the, you know, he, he is, he is the working man's right face. Right. And I'm yeah. the, and I'm the geek, you know, punching numbers <laughs> into a computer in a cubicle, you know, when you need the analytics done, when you need to know a specific issue with a specific bow and, he, and he'll tell you he's done in his videos, he doesn't know. And that's not his thing to know. That's my thing to know. I just got done working. I worked at the bow shop tonight and, you know, I was working and looking at six different bows with six different camp systems from six different companies from six different years. And I knew how to work on all of them. Right. That's my thing. And so, uh, so that's cool to hear your perspective too. Like, you know, Troy was your gateway drug. Right. And then, yeah, and then exactly. I ended up being your dealer. So, yeah, you know, yeah. that, <laughs> that, yeah. that worked. I started with the fairy dust. Right. And then he just ended up being average. You're the real hard stuff. Yeah, you just yeah, you just you end up going off the full analytical 45 minute long deep end. That's how it works. Exactly. Exactly. It was awesome. No, it was so much fun. It really was fun going through the process and uh, shooting. And it's funny. uh, Another thing that I never, um, I never even thought about it was sharpening broadheads. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that just never even crossed my mind. I was buying brand new broadheads out of the package. Why would you need to they're sharp. sharpen them? They're sharp in the package. Yeah, Why would it be yeah. fine? Yeah. But then when you think about it, like I could play with those things in my hand, squeeze them, and they weren't cutting nothing. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, I bought a strop. And I stropped them. They, you know, they came sharp. Those, those tough heads come sharp. They're sharp. But I stropped them, and now they're scary sharp. Like I, I'm scared to touch them sharp. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, you got to watch where those things are. Yeah, you really I mean, you have to. Dangerous. Yeah, yeah. I have the same problem awesome. with my Magnus stuff. Like if I when I'm pulling it out of the quiver, it's like I'm playing that game of Operation. You know, when we were yeah. kids. You know, like I pull it out and I'm watching the head the whole time because if I get close to a bowstring, it just breathes on it. It's yeah, done. it's over. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Those things. It's awesome, and I'm just like I cannot wait to stick these in the beard because it's gonna be unreal. It's gonna fly I, right through it. I, I, I'm so excited, man. <laughs> I'm stoked for it. It's going to be a lot of fun this fall. Well, Aaron, yeah. I thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It has been an absolute blast. Do you have any social media that anybody should follow, or is it all personal? Uh, it's all pretty much personal. That's I don't fine, have man. 
I just I'm like just to a, plug people if they want to be plugged. Yeah, I mean, you know, if somebody wants to find me on Facebook, they probably add me, but yeah, I don't know how many friends I got. I think you got like a 5,000 friend limit. Well, if you shoot thousand. something with that absolute piece of rebar uh, yeah. this fall, I need a picture yes. that's going to go on social media. because That works for me, man. All right, that better happen because that, that yes. connection needs to be made. Well, folks, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Average Jack Archery Podcast. Again, if you want to be like Aaron, or anybody else that you hear on the podcast, please send me an email at averagejackarchery at gmail.com. Hit me up on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you're able to get outside. Enjoy the sport of archery, archery hunting, if you so choose. Definitely enjoy God's beautiful creation, and we'll get to see you next time.